Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. For the first time in 14 years, Wichita State will have a new men's basketball coach. We'll discuss the changes at the top of the Shocker program, as well as get you ready for next week's crossover classic in South Dakota. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. I believe this is season eight of the Talk Angry podcast. Might have to find a new name based on some of the changes here recently, but let's dig into it. Yesterday, Coach Marshall resigns as head coach of the program. Um, there's been multiple reports out there. You had the uh, stadium, you had the athletic, you had your reporting at the Wichita Eagle, Taylor. Just kind of walk us through what the last, you know, four to six weeks have been. It's, uh, you know, you have to think it's so unfortunate being this close to the season that this is happening. It's obviously an end of an era. Uh, it was my freshman year at Wichita State was Greg Marshall's first year so I feel like you know part of my family is uh leaving here after some of the you know best sports moments here uh for this shocker program over the last 14 years so just take us through what what the investigation has been like what the reporting has been like and ultimately how we ended up yesterday with coach Marshall resigning as the head men's basketball coach yeah I mean WSU has kept it pretty close to the vest and you know not a lot of details leaked out uh, you know, in the, the three-month, uh, you know, investigation, it was just about three months by the time that Marshall resigned on Tuesday. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, it was a crazy, you know, every single day, you know, I'd be getting hit up with, you know, rumors and, you know, people hearing this and that, especially, you know, after, uh, you know, national reports came out last week about Marshall uh, expected to, to part ways with the program at the end of the week. And uh, every single day I would just get uh, just crazy theories and crazy stories about, um, you know, what was happening. And, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was just one of those situations where I just had to, you know, keep talking to, you know, the sources I trust the most. And uh, what they were telling me were, was that none of that stuff was true. And, um, you know, in the end, uh, it did get stretched out. It didn't happen last week. It, you know, a few more days later, um, he resigns on Tuesday and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at it, you know, for him to walk away, he gets paid $7.75 million. Uh, he was entitled to, you know, a $15 million buyout if he got fired without cause. So uh, that tells me that WSU, you know, they didn't feel 100% confident with whatever the investigation found. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's another important key part of this, too, is that they did not release, you know, anything from the investigation. You know, Coach Marshall did not, you know, have any admission of guilt or even acknowledge, you know, any of the allegations in his resignation statement. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that this shows that whatever that investigation found, WSU did not feel 100% confident that it could be proved in a court of law um, or, you know, they, they just didn't want things getting messy going forward. So I think that's why you saw uh, the, the two sides meet in the middle. Uh, Marshall gets a little more than half of that, that buyout figure, and uh, and WSU gets to, you know, pay it out in uh, six years, and that's going to help them going forward where they don't have to pay it all in, you know, one lump lump sum. And, you know, obviously right now in the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, universities do not have a lot of money to spare. So, uh, being able to stretch that out over the next six years will help. 
And, yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens next with Coach Marshall. Uh, I mean, he's always said he's wanted to, to retire early. Uh, you know, he's he's mentioned, you know, retiring right around that, that 60 age mark, and he's, you know, right about there, late 50s. So it wouldn't surprise me if he just, you know, retires and, and, and calls it good and never coaches another game again. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, I'm sure some – I mean, his name will keep popping up for, for you know, some kind of mid-major job, uh, you know, asking if he's going to come back in the coaching game. But, yeah. If Rick little... Pitino can be coaching basketball right now, I think <laughs> if, if he wants to get back into coaching, he, he can very quickly, if not, you know, just after this season. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of storylines going forward. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of how we arrived – on on Tuesday's decision yeah just a lot to unpack and there's still a lot of questions to to be answered too this story is like an onion there's really so many different layers to it the fact that Wichita State currently has an interim president you know you're not really sure who actually is making the decision you had the investigation that's kind of behind closed doors obviously you know Jeff Goodman was out there it seemed like every single day trying to uh, talk about the investigation itself but you know I, I guess you know, on our last show, um, we talked about the turnover in the program and how many players left after last season. But I think when you you dig down to it, you could explain why each of these guys was leaving the program, whether it was to be closer to home, be in a position where you might be playing more, uh, whatever it might be. So, I mean, do you think it was that turnover in the program that ultimately led to the investigation? What what exactly do you think brought this up? Is it just 2020 and everything seems to be going <laughs> crazy this year? I mean, because without getting too much into the details, the main you know, issue here happened five years ago in the 2015-2016 season. So I guess my question for you is, you know, now that we're five years later, should this really have come to a point where, you know, he, he's resigning or loses a job over it? Or, you know, what, what, what exactly went into that decision-making process? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look at it, I mean, technically the mass exodus this spring did bring about the investigation because, you know, that alerted, uh, you know, stadium's Jeff Goodman to, um, you know, to kind of start digging around. And when he was talking to players, you know, they were they would, you know, tell them, tell him, you know, here's what older guys were telling us. And, you know, this stuff has been happening for years and years and years. So uh, that kind of led Goodman to kind of start calling around and, um, you know, uh, the biggest challenge in reporting the story was just getting someone to go on record because, you know, none of these players want to go on the record and put their name against, you know, obviously Coach Marshall, who's, you know, extremely popular in Wichita. You know, he's the winningest coach in, in program history. You know, he does a lot of good in the community. I mean, he's basically the rock star of, of Wichita. So if you're going to, you know, come out and put your name against that, um, I mean, it's just not going to end well for you. I mean, there's just so many fans that, like you said at the start of the show, I mean, just have so many good memories with Coach Marshall, you know, cutting down nets, celebrating Final Fours, you know, the 35-0 and 0 season. There's so many good sports memories, and he did a lot of good in the community. So it's it's such a complicated issue because it's hard to, to uh, you know, accept that uh, a person like that maybe, uh, you know, did some uh, some really bad things. And, you know, from, you know, obviously I wasn't there, so I don't know, um, you know, what happened, but I can just report what players told me. And basically every player I talked to that was on those teams confirmed that he did indeed hit Shaq and, and put his hand around uh, Coach uh, Linstead's throat in anger. So um, those are what the player, I mean, that's what's what the players are saying. Uh, but again, it's just, uh, it's tough to put your name against that. And so when Goodman got uh, Shaq to go on record 
uh, that was the game changer, and uh, and putting his name to the record that that really kind of gave it uh, the cr- the credibility that it needed, and, uh, and and brought about that investigation. And and uh, like I said, like the WSU is not releasing the results of the investigation or or what it did or did not prove. But I mean, I think you can infer from you know that buyout settlement that. Yes, there were there was some stuff there that was not good for Marshall, uh, but it's also probably true to say that could they prove it in the court of law? Probably not. So um, it, it's just such a complicated issue. It's uh, you know it's not black or white, a lot of gray, and um, yeah, it's just really tough that that this is you know the way it goes down for you know uh, the all time winningest coach. But you know in the end, you know if you if you believe the players, you know. Greg Marshall brought this on himself, if you believe the allegations. Do you think now that Marshall has resigned that other players would be willing to put their name or acknowledge what actually happened? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've actually reached out to a few players, and uh, no, I mean, they, they still, they've seen, you know, what's happening with Shaquille Morris and, you know, the the vitriol and uh, just the, I mean, he said he's received death threats uh, on social media and, um I mean, it's just not been fun for him uh, the last, you know, uh, month or however long it's been since he came out with that published report. And, you know, he's just his name has just been dragged through the mud. You know, people are, you know, just assassinating his character and really attacking him. And um, I mean, players see that and they're like, I don't I don't want any part of that. And uh, so I think right now, absolutely not. I would be very surprised um, if anyone puts their name on, you know, uh, you know, an exact specific incident, but I think over time um, you will see players start to talk about it. You say, you saw um, Ron Baker; he went on a podcast recently and and alluded to that um, that incident, and he said that you know he's not going to speak on it right now, but he will. He thinks he will get more in depth with that that story, you know, over time. So I think there just needs to be some, you know, uh, let this story breathe. Let you know, maybe years down the road, who knows? I think the you know players will come out. I think we will hear from you know Fred Van Fleet and and Ron Baker and maybe even Landry Shamit over time. But yeah, right now, um, I've talked to every player I've talked to. You know, wants no part of you know putting their name on this stuff from those two teams that that are in question. And I've I've had a lot of people. Uh, I've have, I've had some players you know want to talk anonymously, anonymously, but. Um, you know, that's just a tough story to, to put out there if, you know, if I'm going to quote, you know, three players anonymously, that's just, you know, we want someone on record uh, before we're going to publish a story like that. But um, I can tell you that uh, every player I've talked to stands behind uh, um, Shaq, and um, I think that there there is a lot of goodwill there for Coach Marshall, and they can respect that he is a great basketball coach, and he won a lot of games, and he he helped them, you know, uh, become professional athletes and, you know, helped them after their careers sometimes. But, um, I mean, it's also – they believe that it's also true that he did those two things, and, you know, he crossed the line. And, um, you know, from what I've been told, uh, they they have no problem with, you know, seeing him go down. So um, they, they stand behind Shaq, and uh, they're comfortable with, with what happened. I do think it was fairly damning that really not a lot of players from that era at least came out in support of him. So you saw Nick Wiggins, you saw some guys who maybe played the older uh, older players. You saw Garrett Stutz come out earlier in the year, but you know not having any players. And then Ron's quote where he says, you know, 
the the folks that are supporting Marshall maybe weren't in the gym when these things were happening. That you know that that hurts right there. Yeah. But also, it's such a hard situation to weigh because you know I've been close enough to the program to know they had a character coach on you know Steve Dickey who was helping mm-hmm. these guys you know go through difficult situations, but also making sure they're graduating. He used to host the players at his uh, you know house all the time, and you know. Would Fred Van Vliet be playing in the NBA right now had he not come to Wichita State? Had Ron Baker not had the experience? Uh, you know, even Shaq Morris, you know, a lot of people compared him kind of a JT Durley 2.0, which he had his own run-ins with Marshall at the time and, you know, had had issues in the fact that he could get to the point uh, as an all-conference player. So, you know, Marshall was very open in saying, you know, my style isn't for everyone, but the way he goes about it, he's going to try and pull every single inch of, of talent and ability out of you. And sometimes that's, you know, being an asshole or being a dickhead (laughs) and you know do i think he should have laid hands on anyone absolutely not also shaq morris is six foot eight probably 250 pounds do i think this was a traumatic experience in his life i'm not willing to go that far um but it's just it's so hard to weigh on either side and i guess you know do i do i think personally that maybe it should have been the end i i don't know it always goes back with anything to recruiting and we'll talk a little bit in in now now that they have an interim coach and how the impact that that'll have on recruiting but the the lifeblood of the program would it been able to continue would he be able to still get the attention of the guys you saw tyson come out with a post that you know today at least appeared to be someone in support of coach marshall and mm-hmm. saying you know thanks for you know taking a chance on me so it's just it it's tough and, and i'll, I'll I'll say another thing. I'm not comparing the situations, but you see the rampant cheating that is happening in college <laughs> basketball right now, whether it's Arizona or LSU or any of these other programs, and their coaches are still cashing their paychecks just fine. You know, obviously Greg is getting paid very nicely on his way out of town here and has been paid very nicely his entire time here. But it just it's it, there's it's just so complicated. I think I agree. I think there's a lot of difficulties because you look at all the good things that Marshall really emphasized. He emphasized guys going to class and showing up. But I think it's also true that he had difficulty controlling his emotions. I mean, you you saw that in Canada. You see that in the games, and I I can't. It's not a leap to say if he sees something happen that he could get triggered very easily and go overboard. And I think that's what you're seeing here. I don't think he's malicious or that he's, you know. I think he, I be, genuinely believe he wants the best for his players, but I think he just never really figured out how to control his emotions. And as maybe it's as the expectations ramped up after the Final Four and undefeated season, he felt like he had to sustain that. And that made, you know, practices that much edgier and harder for him to to dictate. But I think that that's really what you're looking at is just the difficulty to control his own feelings and emotions in those in those situations. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is interesting to, to look at that timeline and see when these events happen. It, it was, you know, right after the, the final four, right after the 35 and one. And um, it is kind of interesting to see, you know, all these incidents ha- happened right after that. And, um, I mean, I don't know if you can, you know, look too far into it. But, yeah, I mean, like like uh, both of you guys said, I mean, it's such a complicated issue because, no, I mean, no one can deny Greg Marshall is a very, very good basketball coach. Uh, you know, he got the most out of his players, and um, and he did a lot of good in the community. I know he does a lot of charity work and uh, does a lot of, you know, good things that, 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 you know, aren't in the news every day. And, you know, you, you've seen the outpouring of support, you know, since this stuff happened. And, you know, you, know, you see pictures 
pictures of him, you know, taking the time out of his day to, you know, say hi to a, you know, like a little kid and make their day and uh, just stuff like that. So like, the, it's just such a, I mean, and how he do, stayed here. I mean, he had yeah, lots exactly. of opportunities yeah. or at least was in the discussion all those years. Yeah. And you got to a point where you felt like we were close enough to 60, mm-hmm. as you mentioned that he was going to retire here. So it's just so so unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's just such a complicated issue. It's like, I mean, I, I can totally understand as a WSU fan, like, why it's so hard to, you know, wrestle with that in your mind because, you know, you have so many good uh, memories associated with this coach and, uh, you know, everything like that is public. But, you know, all this stuff that bad happened, you know, that's behind closed doors. You don't get to see that side of him. Uh, you know, that's the side that the players have to live through. And, you know, I just think at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm I'm inclined to to believe the players. I mean, I, I I just don't think that you know if this was just Shaq and just like one other player and other people were denying it, then it would be a different story. But because it is, you know, Shaq put his name out there, and every player who has you know no no player from that team has you know denied that this has happened. And uh, you know, if if anything, the players have uh, have confirmed to that on background. So I think it's just you know one of those things where. It's you know it's it's it, it is possible both things can be true. Greg Marshall is a great basketball coach, was great for the Wichita community, made Wichita State you know he basically is a single handedly the reason why they went from the Amer- from the Missouri Valley to the American. Uh, you know he generated so much money for the university and yeah he got paid a lot but I mean he probably made more money for WSU than than what he was paid. Um, more people know the term Wichita I think, <laughs> yeah. from this last you know yeah. and, ten uh, years of basketball. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I think that that would just be my my biggest point is I just think both things can be true that all this this good stuff can be true, but it it can also be true that he did you know some bad things and and like Brian said, I mean I think it was you know no secret that you know he he had you know issues containing his frustrations and um, you know you've seen it on the court uh, you know a lot of times with you know poor Asbjorn Meekard over the last few years and uh, you know the the incident in Canada so. I mean, it's you don't have to squint that hard to believe (laughs) all of these things happen. So and I'll also say our leaders have to be held accountable. If you're the head guy and you're get paid the big bucks, you got to follow through. It's no different than, you know, leaders in politics or business or whatever it be. If if you're at the top and and you're taking responsibility, particularly for these young men, you you have to follow through and and be a leader of men. And so, you know, so the biggest question that I've been getting is you know from fans is you know why now like why and I think you kind of asked this earlier is like why five years later like why wasn't this a thing you know when it happened and um because it's 2020 yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I mean I think just people need to realize just you know the the position of power that you know coach Marshall I mean all coaches not just him but you know the position of power that college coaches have you know over college athletes and uh, you know, obviously, they're the ones getting paid. College athletes aren't. Uh, you know, they're the ones that go into class every day, and you know, uh, you know, the coach controls. You know, the playing time, and you know whether you know you get featured, and you know you can say that you know um, I'm going to go to the the athletic department and you know say it, but you know who's who's to say that you know. Uh, if I mean, it's just such a it's a such a tough uh, deal, and I think people need to put their you know put themselves in a college athlete's you know shoes and and try to imagine you know making a, a decision that big you know at the age of you know twenty twenty one. I think it's uh, pretty easy to imagine you know why that you know it was just kind of it happened and um, 
it was just one of those things where, you know, nobody felt like it was, you know, uh, comfortable enough to, to take it to the athletic department. And also, we don't even know if they if there was any report to the athletic department. That, that would obviously have come up in the investigation. And as of right now, we don't know the results of that investigation. So that's a big part of this, too, was, you know, did the administration know about this incident when it happened? And uh, right now, we, we, we don't know that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's such a tough deal for, um, you know, college athletes because they're, you know, they're kind of basically powerless in that situation and that power dynamic. So I just think that it's, uh, I mean, if it, if it did happen, I don't think it makes a difference if it was, you know, the day after, or two years later, or 10 years later. I mean, if it, if it happened and all the players are saying it happened and confirmed it, then, you know, I think that, that Marshall needs to be held accountable. But then I, on the other side, I mean, I do understand why people are maybe a little frustrated, like, uh, it's it, that's the easy question to ask is why why didn't this you know get taken care of you know when it happened and I was just curious on what your guys thoughts was that you know a question that you guys have uh, kind of been asking yourselves like why why it waited you know until now well I think probably just when you think about it Shaq and these other players are probably only willing to come forward when they're away from the program they're not tied you know their success is not directly tied to the university if if they make those claims then on the spot it's a complicated issue if if Shaq makes that claim and let's say it goes forward and Marshall and there's an investigation yes and he's fired mid-season and that can be and some players are going to be mad at him because they had success going everything was going well they were going to get opportunities to be professional athletes some of them had nba aspirations and some getting there like it can it can really spiral quickly so i can really easily see how players only feel more comfortable when their future success is no longer tied to the program i think to me that's that's why something like that goes years without getting reported and and to be honest, like college coaches have more power than an athletic director at, at major universities in Wichita. Now, you know, the Shockers are elevated to position in the American and with Marshall leading the way to where they're now a power team in the nation. And so those coaches and you look at it in football or basketball, those coaches have more power than an athletic director. And in some cases, probably more power than the president of the university. And so it's very hard to go up against that sort of, uh, you know, there's so many people with a vested interest in that success continuing. It's hard to oppose it. Yeah. And I mean, these players, I mean, they're, uh, I mean, I know Marshall is the biggest rock star, but the players, you know, in Wichita are rock stars too. I mean, everybody loves shocker basketball and, you know, um, it's tough, you know, putting that on the line. And I think that's a, a big reason why you haven't seen, you know, Ron Baker or Fred Van Vliet or Landry Shamit, you know, speak out because, you know, they know that, you know, there's a lot of wealthy people here in Wichita who, I mean, obviously still uh, support Coach Marshall and, you know, obvious by that full page ad that they bought in the Wichita Eagle and uh, made it very public that they still support Coach Marshall. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just tough to put that on the line, you know, knowing, you know, uh, just having that, that fan love, you know, when they come back to Wichita, you know, the shock, uh, the aftershocks, you know, playing for them. Uh, 
that's another thing. I don't know if we're going to see. I mean, what's the aftershocks going to be like now? I mean, that's it's going to be an interesting. I mean, because a lot of these guys were on both of those teams. So, I mean, uh, what would Shaq Morris's reaction or like the reception be? You know, if he came back to Coke, and um, it just seems like the the fan base is just uh, just so divided. And I, that's another question too. How would you? How divided is this? Like a fifty fifty thing or? Uh, uh, seventy-five, twenty-five, or what? What portion of the fan base do you think understands, you know, why this is happening, and what portion just, you know, stands behind Coach Marshall and just, you know, is very upset with, you know, how this went down? From my perspective, I think it's sixty forty people who are in support of Coach Marshall. I I have been, you know, surprised at how quickly, you know, things have have shifted, and and you know, I, I think we're all surprised at you know the timeline of events and and how this has happened and being this close to the season. But I you you still get the feeling that more people out there are, you know, I guess angry or or disappointed in how this has ended versus you know being on the side of moving on from Coach Marshall. So, and, and I hope it's okay that I share this. I remember the f- the first year the three of us did this podcast is the year in 2017, 2018, the first year in the American when they lost to Marshall in that first round. And that was Shaq Morris's and Richard Kelly's, Connor Frankamp senior year. That was Landry's last year here yeah. as well. And I remember you talking about the reaction in the locker room after they lost to Marshall. Mm-hmm. And it was almost just like a sense of relief. <laughs> and and I yeah. don't mean it, you know, as a something down to Coach Marshall, but it's just like they had all grinded on each other for yeah. so long and there was so much pressure on on those specific teams during those years coming off the final four coming off the undefeated season coming off all the success that they had had and and when they moved on from Ron and Fred and obviously Shaq was uh, you know freshman and Ron and Fred were still on the team when this happened but when they moved on from Ron and Fred I feel like that the next era has never really been able to take over from that point. So that, you know, the, the guys in the American, they had that good first year and, and now things have, have pulled back a little bit. You've had a lot of turnover in the program. Um, you, we've had very young shocker teams. That's another reason, at least I thought all of the transition is you had a ton of freshmen and sophomores and it wasn't those, you know, seed senior laden teams that had had so much success in the Valley years. So I, I do think, there's something to be said about that, that, you know, the struggle of, you know, performing under the lights after that final four run and after the undefeated season run, maybe they, they all haven't been able to live up to it since then. Yeah. And it is kind of interesting to, to look at, I mean, it just seems like there's certain classes where, uh, like you said, before 2015, um, you know, pretty much everyone is in support of, of coach Marshall and a lot of those older, Older players have have basically, uh, I mean, everyone who spoke out has said, you know, they they stand behind Coach Marshall. The only one that I've seen, and actually it was actually on the way here, David Kyles um, tweeted out um, and said that, um, let me read the tweet real quick. He said, um, he was tweeting at Skip Bayless. And he said, I went there, uh, referring to Wichita State, from 2008 to 2012, and the things I saw saw there surpassed any of these stories with Greg at Wichita State, but no one believed me. Glad to see karma come around. So he's the first, you know, old-school shocker in the Marshall era to really speak out against Marshall. And, um, but, and then, so it was before 2015, a lot of those guys were in support. And then once you get to 2015 to 2018, you know, none of those guys really spoke out in support. Um, and then after that, 
you know, the last two years, you know, Jaime Echenique, obviously big Marshall fan, um, guys on the team, you know, obviously they're, they're, uh, they're a fan of Marshall for, you know, they, they came back when a lot of people were transferring. So like you said, Tyson Etienne, very supportive of coach Marshall and, you know, Trey Wade, big Mo um, left and came back. Big Mo. <laughs> Poor bear yeah. who was mentioning things, stayed in the program. Yeah, yeah, I remember so. Marshall talking about Dexter Dennis, you know, he, he's like a son of mine or I've never been more proud of this guy. And, and so that, that's just it. It's just such a complicated issue. And I guess the last thing I would say, you know, I mentioned at the top is my freshman year at Wichita State was Greg Marshall's first year. Outside of the Chiefs Super Bowl win this year, my best sports memories over the last, you know, 10, 15 years have been due to the Shocker program. The Final Four run, the undefeated season, finally breaking through in St. Louis and winning Arch Madness, beating KU, the move to the AAC, um, you know, so many big-time games, big-time atmospheres, games at Interest Bank Arena, uh, going on the road and and going to NCAA tournament games, going to AAC tournament games. It's just, you, you know, regardless of what you think of it at this point. Sitting next to Fred uh, in the garden. Sitting next to Fred in the garden during the <laughs> NIT. Yes, I, I think you have to, you know, tip your cap to what he built. He took what Turgeon had, you know, started there for a while and obviously shocker basketball has been successful for many many years it's not just the turgeon and marshall ears but the 80s the 60s all different things but he kind of took a sleeping giant and he and he he brought the program matt norlander of cbs sports called it a top 40 job the other day he said you know regardless and we'll talk maybe a little bit uh, you know as we get into isaac brown and, and where things go from here you know wichita state is is an attractive place to be you have a very supportive fan base although they're divided at the moment you know hopefully they'll come together and support this team and support coach brown and wherever the program goes from here because the next guy he needs to grab the baton and continue to to drive things forward yeah it kind of makes you wonder what marshall's legacy will be you know moving forward you know at wichita state you know obviously it's just we're so close to the moment here it's it's tough to to say but you know obviously you know before this you know you would think oh automatic you know he's you know hall of fame probably get a statue built of him outside of coke arena it'll be interesting to see you know uh you know years from now how he's regarded i think wichita state fans are, are going to generally view him uh, very positively and he's going to be well liked among you know most of the fan base and um and that but i, I just wonder you know how the school is going to you know grapple with with this you know um going forward i mean do you recognize him in the hall of fame do you you know build that statue of him do you you know make it like marshall court or something like that so i mean obviously before all this stuff happened you would absolutely say you know this guy you know he he's the face of wichita state basketball he's he's going down as the goat um so yeah i mean that those are things to consider too i don't know the answers to any of those uh, but Gene is, Smithson didn't always have the best record. Yeah. I know this is going way back, but Gene Smithson d- didn't always have the best record around town, and now is you know widely recognized when he's at the games and things. Yeah. So time generally heals all wounds, and for those that you know are are angry or disappointed in what has happened, I think we'll recognize the significant run that they went on. And I mean, right now he's number one. He's the winningest coach in Wichita State history, and um, you know I, I think we'll be continued to be recognized that.
you had a very nice, well, actually several nice articles, Kansas.com, moving on to Isaac Brown. So uh, Darren Boatwright mentions the program needs stability. Isaac Brown had been Marshall's uh, longest tenured assistant and now takes over the reins as interim coach. There's been players like Richard Kelly who have advocated for that. You've talked to um, former coaches that have coached with Coach Brown. So just give us a sneak preview of of uh, kind of what uh, you learned in, in talking about um, uh, Coach Isaac and, and maybe where the program goes from here. Yeah, I mean, I reached out to a lot of the former head coaches that hired him as an assistant coach. And, uh, I mean, I can tell you that a lot of people are really excited to see, you know, Isaac get a chance at a head coaching job. And obviously not ideal circumstances. Nobody wants to take over a program, you know, especially him. I mean, he's so loyal to Coach Marshall, too. I mean, uh, I know he's in a tough spot right now. But, I mean, it's still a really cool story. This is a guy that's been a Division One assistant coach for the last 19 years. Uh, he's actually never been a head coach in his life. You know, dating back to I looked up uh, his, uh, what he did in high school, uh, community college, always an assistant coach. So this is the first head coach job he's had at any level. And everyone I talked to is said that, you know, it's about time. That, that's the way they phrased it was that it's about time because he's, uh, he's very, very well regarded with coaches, with former players, like you mentioned, Richard Kelly. I mean, he really went to bat for him and said that, I mean, he is a player's coach. He is a coach that, that you know, former Shockers loved playing for. And he thinks that he could bring, you know, a pretty interesting flavor to Wichita State and, you know, change the little things. He thinks, you know, they're going to keep a lot of the same stuff, a lot of the same sets that, that, you know, they were running under Marshall just to keep the same system. But IB, he likes to, you know, let athletes be athletes, you know, roll the ball out there and just, you know, go run and jump. And uh, he thinks that they they might press some more. They might play more up-tempo, definitely play a more, you know, exciting up-and-down up and brand of basketball. And, you know, not to say that, you know, uh, you know the Shockers were, you know, uh, playing four corners or anything under Marshall. But, you know, he was definitely more of a, you know, we're going to run our sets, and if you don't get anything the first time, you're going to run it again. And, you know, he really liked to have control of the offense. And uh, whereas IB, he's going to let these guys have way more freedom, play a free-flowing offense, you know, um, not as many sets, I don't think, uh, from what I've been told. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it'll be exciting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of the different wrinkles that he brings to the game. And, and then just like all the coaches I talked to that hired him, just said that that he is able to communicate so well to the players because he was a former player. I mean, he reached, he was a you know player at Texas A and M and a big time stud at Louisiana Monroe, and uh, so players know that about him. They respect that because he he's been there, he's been in their shoes, he knows what it's like, and he's just you know a good dude and just very genuine. And uh, I think the players really gravitate toward that, and he just knows how to talk to players and uh, command their respect. And uh, Richard kind of put it best is that, you know, uh, people want to run through a brick wall for him. And if, you know, players want to do that for a coach, you know, good things are going to happen. And that that sentiment was, you know, reflected by just about everyone I talked to. So um, I think it's uh, it's a very interesting um, time because, you know, he's this is kind of like a one-year trial run. You know, if he, if he has success with Wichita State, I think they are seriously going to consider, you know, keeping him at the end of the season, and he can really make a, a name for himself, you know, if Shockers. And, you know, people forget about about this. You know, the Shockers, they think they can get back to the NCAA tournament this year. Like, I think that's just being kind of swept or just not being talked about a lot. That this, you know, this team thinks they can be really good this year. So um, 
big opportunity for Isaac Brown. Also, should have mentioned this first, but he is the first black head coach in Wichita State history. That's a really cool story too. And you know, uh, I know he's really proud of you know of where he come from, where he comes from, and you know what he represents. And I know a lot of former players are really, really happy for him. And I think it's really cool that he gets to be the one to make history. One funny story about Coach Brown. Uh, we used to interview all three assistant coaches on Talk Angry uh, every single season. And the first year he was with the program, we we had him on the podcast and we get him all ready to go. And I said, you know, I'll give a little intro and we'll get going. And he goes, just one second. What in the hell is a podcast? <laughs> so obviously yeah. podcasts are much more popular now, but at the time he was like, what exactly am I uh, doing right now? Uh, other thing your article mentioned is he's the most well-rounded of the assistants on the staff right now. So he's someone that uh, you know has deep uh, recruiting ties, uh, particularly in the South, but also is able to put together a game plan and then communicate that game plan to the players, which yeah. is certainly important. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's, it, I mean, the way that coaches tell me is is that yeah, he can do it all. I mean, he can put together a meticulous game plan and really get down and get a really good scout. And then, even more important is John Pelfrey. You know, he's a former Arkansas head coach. Uh, he said a lot of coaches can do that. You know, it's not you know anything super special if you can put together a good scout. What is special is being able to communicate it to the players and get them to understand it and fully comprehend it. And IB is really good at communicating, you know, in short, you know, keeping it simple, uh, using short commands, you know, really getting his point across to the players. And uh, that's huge. You know, it's you can give them all the good information in the world, but if they don't understand it, if they don't comprehend it, it's not going to matter like when they're out there playing the game. So um, IB is really, really good at that. And then, you know, he has deep uh, recruiting ties to the South. And, uh, you know, pretty much every player that WSU has landed, you know, from those southern states i mean that's that's a, a courtesy of, of isaac brown and um so i mean the recruiting plus the the, the game work and the, the scout work i mean it just makes him a, a very well-rounded coach and uh you know i think it's it was only a matter of time before he got a head coaching job um so it's it's not a huge stretch to think you know he couldn't have success at wichita state because i think he is uh, very well equipped to to have success, you know, as a head coach moving forward. We'll see if you know he gets the full time gig probably after the season. But I know there's a lot of former players that'll be rooting for him and and want to see him succeed. It's really a Dabo Sweeney situation, right? <laughs> I mean, Dabo took over Clemson mid season from the assistant position, got like you know five games or something. One you know mixed record, but did just enough to say we'll give you a shot. And it's been for Clemson football, it's been history from there. So you never yeah. know what you've got sometimes until you give the give that assistant a shot. So I'm yeah. excited to see what Isaac Brown can do. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know he's not as well regarded as you know a Chris Jans or a Steve Forbes because those are the ones that left and then obviously you know had success as a head coach at other programs but you know um, from what I've been told you know he is in the same mold you know he's still he's uh, very well regarded and um, it'll be interesting to see and like you said I don't know if, he, if he's gonna you know be like Dabo or and take this and and build it into something greater but I think he is you know very well equipped to be a, a successful head coach and uh, we'll just have to see, you know, how he does this first year, and uh, and I mean, who knows? I mean, like I'm I'm still pretty skeptical that they're gonna get, you know, 
very many games in just because you know the the pandemic but we can be we can be hopeful and uh so hopefully they get a full or close to a full season for him to kind of uh, show what he can do as a coach but uh, another important thing that Richard said in in the story on kansas.com was that um, he talked to the current players, and that's you know the most important people right now. And they said that they're all in on IB. Uh, they love playing for him. Obviously, he's been basically uh, the head coach for you know almost two weeks now. You know, Marshall was absent at practices starting last Monday, so um, IB has been leading you know workouts, leading practices. And uh, Richard said all the the current guys, the young guys, they love playing for IB. They're really really excited. And uh, as I mentioned before, they, they're excited about the possibilities now that the, you know, the offense is going to get freed up a little bit and they're going to have a little more freedom to, you know, just let athletes be athletes. And, you know, if you listen to anything about these freshmen and these newcomers, these guys are big time athletes. So um, it, it could end up being, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of a boon. Obviously, you know, don't you don't want to take anything away from Coach Marshall. I mean, he's he obviously, you know, proven as a head coach. He knows what he's doing. His system works, but it's not to say another system couldn't come in and, and work as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how IB does this first year. In which Wichita State does have a fairly athletic roster, probably their most athletic they've had in a while. Mm-hmm. And so that would lead me to believe that having more pressing, getting out and running more might lead to more success. We've talked about recruiting a little bit. One story that you had on Kansas.com today is that campus star Sterling Chapman goes away from his verbal to Wichita State and commits to Tulsa today. So uh, I guess on on both fronts, on the one hand, you don't want to see, you know, your recruit leaving. But if ever there were a time to have an interim situation, it's when you don't really have to go out and replace a whole lot of seniors. And so hopefully they'll be able to continue, you know, having progress on the recruiting trail. Yeah, a lot of people ask me uh, how many scholarships they're going to have available and how this, you know, affects them going forward. And it's just, it's so tough to tell because, you know, technically every single player on the roster could come back next year because the NCAA has already granted, you know, uh, eligibility waivers. So this season does not affect anyone on the roster, you know. So if Altree Gilbert, Trey Wade, they both want to come back next season, they can. Um, but obviously it's going to decide depend on, you know, who's the head coach next season. You know, if they hire someone new. I mean, there's probably going to be transfers. And even if they keep Isaac Brown, there's probably going to be transfers just because that's, you know, the way college basketball is. You know, is it going to be a mass exodus? Uh, that I don't know. But um, it'll be interesting to see going forward. So they don't, They, I mean, it doesn't really, like you say, it doesn't really impact them. It doesn't, like, kill them in recruiting because it's not like they're having to replace, you know, six, seven, eight guys like they've had to, you know, in the past. So right now the, the roster is kind of setting up pretty well. And as we go throughout the season, we'll get more into this. But as far as candidates for the head coaching job moving forward, we already know Isaac Brown is going to have that chance and really have the dress rehearsal of hopefully an entire season to prove he's the guy. And then you kind of have different factions that people have been talking about. You have the Marshall Tree, you have Chris Jans, the Steve Forbes, the Greg Hires of the world. You have older coaches that are out of coaching right now, like John Beeline or Thad Mata, who used to be at Ohio State. You have the young up-and-coming guys like... Uh, the the coach at Grand Canyon or there's other smaller schools like they did with Coach Marshall go find someone who was out of Winthrop and bring him in and mm-hmm. and let them have success. Uh, some people have brought up Shaka Smart. Maybe he won't be <laughs> in Texas after the season. So so many moving parts, and we'll try and cover that throughout the year. And I, I don't even really think it 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 would 
do much to even waste our breath on this right now because there's just so much unknowns as we move forward throughout the season. Yeah, and uh, it, it's just so early in the process, and I, I would fully expect they give Isaac Brown, you know, the full season to to see what he can do, and then they're gonna, you know, I'm 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 sure that you know Darren Boatwright's gonna put in feelers, you know, throughout this season, and uh, they're gonna have a lot of time to, you know, I guess the the positive upside is that they're gonna have a lot of time to, you know, get this decision right and do their homework and, and talk to a lot of different people. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if they they hire a full time head coach uh, before next spring. Well, we certainly had plenty to talk about here on show one. Happy to be back with you for another season of Talk Angry. On next week's show, we'll get into the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic and give a season preview. We'll get Taylor's thoughts on the development of the Shocker roster and reasonable expectations for this season. Thanks for listening to Talk Angry. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net. Next week in North Dakota. Is it in North Dakota or South Dakota? I'm South Dakota. I think it's South Dakota. South Dakota. Okay, let's do that again. Really emphasize bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay.